Good afternoon and welcome to Burst of All live on CAMFM, the show about silly news with me, Michael Quinterio. And me, Chris Mosen. And me, Jonathan Nelson. Uh, this is our last show, sadly, but we're going to just go on as usual and tell you what's been going on around the world in bizarre fashion. Chris? Indeed so. Uh, first story up today uh, is that MI6 have advertised for James Bond. Uh, a job ad which was uh, published on direct.gov this week uh, said, From time to time, the UK government has need to remove people whose continued existence poses a risk to the effective conduct of public order. And mentions that uh, they might need to travel to a number of countries where individuals need to be removed, uh, and that the ideal candidate should be those who prefer their martinis shaken rather than stirred. Uh, it's it's either hackers or somebody at uh, uh, somebody at direct.gov who got extraordinarily bored. Uh, but either way, they advertised the job for about a quarter of an hour or so before uh, somebody spotted uh, that they were in fact asking for Sean Connery uh, to come back and uh, and maintain the country. Uh, so yes, uh, genuine bond wanted uh, at least briefly. Uh, John, have you considered applying? Uh, well, I unfortunately didn't catch this just at the right moment in time, but, uh, you know, it, it definitely, when I, when I heard about it initially, before I realised it was a spoof, there was, it was, I was bearing it in mind. I quite liked the idea of all the, uh, the equipment you got, which included, um, special watches, jetpacks, mini submarines, and a Walter PPK. <laughs> Although I always remember the PPK being the most rubbish weapon from the, uh, <laughs> from the GoldenEye series. <laughs> so, so therefore, if it had said something along the lines of an RCP-90, I'd have been much happier. That would have been better, yeah, yeah. Well, not very subtle, though. <laughs> I, I was disappointed with the pay, frankly. Um, it seems like one of these things where you need a great variety of skills, and yet they're only offering 50 to 60k for you to li put your life on the line. I think it's the perks of the job that really uh, are, the, are, are the selling point here. I mean, you get to travel all around the world, you get to meet interesting people. Kill your uh, fellow man. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> meet interesting people, occasionally sleep with them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, obviously that doesn't feature in the ad because, you know, uh, it, it doesn't... Um, it doesn't actually specify that they have to be male here. Of course, that would be discriminatory. You cannot apply for any... You cannot have any such discrimination in these jobs. Um, and thus, they could not advertise the occasional <laughs> sleeping with a Bond girl. <laughs> Uh, what we can tell you is if you want to apply for the job, uh, then you should, uh, it says, to apply for this role, please express your interest somewhere in the vicinity of the large and rather fake-looking rock in Regent's Park. You know where we mean. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of a fake-looking rock, like they somehow failed to produce a rock. You know, they presumably sent somebody down to B&Q and they came back with, like, three flower pots and some geraniums. And it's like, that's not a rock. Well, it's like when you Quick, get... <laughs> sellotape some cats together and spray them grey. It's like when you get plasticine and you sort of have the plasticine and you leave it for, like, three years and you come back and it's become a rock-like subject... Su subject? Substance. <laughs> but it's clearly not rock. <laughs> I presume it just sort of looks like that, like really bad studio plastic rock. <laughs> it, it, it looks like it's something out of Doctor Who rather than James bond <laughs> basically yes <laughs> from from that episode where they're uh, where they first discover where they had the daleks from my heat and <laughs> they find all of the early creations <laughs> okay so important question uh if you uh, if you get the job as james bond you presumably get to choose your mission uh so uh, so which well, why well the, you know he's like he's, he's top dog isn't he like when they're going around mi6 and they got a big old stack of current like evil geniuses in progress then bond's gonna get first dibs isn't he i thought the whole point of the uh of like the most recent bond without having any particular spoilers was the fact that you weren't supposed to choose your own mission or in fact lo most bonds in general where he says sod it i'm going after this guy and <laughs> m goes oh never mind <laughs> 
and, and M goes, oh no, I totally didn't want you to do that all along. <laughs> I am going to revoke your license to kill, because that will mean everything. <laughs> I don't know, I mean, like, okay, so you've got a choice of Bond film. Which one do you appear in? That's 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 the main question here. You know, like MI6 have walked in and going, "Good news, everybody! They're remaking the entire series." I mean, we've received twenty six different Blofelts, like no relation, who are engaged in some sort of devilish plan or another. Which one you're gonna file? Not on Her Majesty's Secret Service because we know how that one ends. <laughs> uh, the problem with all the Daniel Craig ones is it looks like you're going to take quite a beating. Yeah, the Daniel Craig ones are probably not so good. Uh, the it's Roger Moore ones generally he doesn't really get his suit particularly ruffled at any. Yeah, yeah, Moonraker I think would be quite a good. Like in terms of elaborate travel, yeah, he gets yeah. space. flashy destinations. Yeah, I, I think I think Moonraker is the mission you want to go for. Yeah, I don't know if Blofeld was actually involved because I watched wasn't. that one when I was seven. That was that was Hugo Drax. Yeah. I, like, I am very disappointed in your Mr. Bond, <laughs> basically. <laughs> that, 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 that sounds like the villain is just like a school teacher. He was completely <laughs> underwhelming, which is what made him brilliant, somehow. I am very disappointed with your report card, Mr. <laughs> Bond. <gasps> oh, Mr. Bond, you have aggravated me. <laughs> <laughs> Please decease. Decease. <laughs> Dece decease. That's basically what he wants them to do. Cease and desist. Decease is die. Yeah. <laughs> and desist. <laughs> <laughs> it's also not a reflexive verb. You don't want to just ask somebody to decease. It's like, all oh, right, I'll decease you. Ah. Please decease yourself, Mr. Bond. You know what I meant. Don't try to be funny with me. So speaking of accents, I, I like when you were reading out the ad earlier. You, you kind of had like a public service announcement sort of accent. The, the like, BBC like accent, I think, is the one yeah, referring to. Yeah, it's, as, it's as, as was. I like to think the MI6 has a touch of class about them. Well, it's the same sort of accent that you get, 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 get going everyone to the fallout shelters, please do not panic, sort of voice. Yes. Yes, yeah. exactly. I think it wouldn't be terribly convincing if, if M.I. Smith... M.I. <laughs> Smith. M.I. Smith. M.I. Smith runs <laughs> M.I. 6. He, he was a vanity <laughs> project. <laughs> Michael Ian Smith. Which would give his full name. <laughs> He's out of all the M.I.'s. I know. <laughs> M.I. 5 was... I don't know, that was presumably his early Jackson 5 project that didn't quite work. <laughs> and so I was like, fine, I'll make it into an M.I. Smith <laughs> spin-off. But I think M.I. 6 wouldn't work so well if, you know, if, if it like had a summer set accent. <laughs> if, if, if M was just sat there going, no, there's this pesky fellow named Blofeld, <laughs> and he's got himself a volcano base, so he has. <laughs> now, what we want you to do is go and blow him up, or, to put that more accurately, I want you to take his stuff and then put him on the ejector seat of one of those Austin cars. <laughs> you know those ones that got the special stuff. And ideally speaking, do it while you're driving through a tunnel. <laughs> I, you know, I think I think nobody are quite buy into that. Uh, that I, image of MI6. I would love to see a film with, with, with M speaking like that. I, I, I would buy into that image of MI6. I don't think anybody would ever suspect that they were a secret agency. To be honest, <laughs> I mean, like you could just sort of hang it around, sort of a, a cider farm or something like that, and then people might think, "Oh, they're talking nonsense." That's fine. They talk nonsense all the time. Over have, have a really tricked out combine harvester. <laughs> yes, that would <laughs> just advance on the bad guy. Your combine harvester. <laughs> so Bond has basically gone through all the possible chase vehicles that they can possibly do. Apart there hasn't been a tractor chase yet. I'm, I'm, a combine harvester chase could definitely work because you could have the villain in a combine harvester coming to combine him up or something. <laughs> and then I don't know. He'd have to be. A, he'd then have to get on a tractor and then start chasing him around. And it would be brilliant. It would be suspense. And there's a scarecrow that is actually dressed up like James. 
James Bond that gets horribly mangled at one point in the chase scene yes. to make a point of how what's going to happen to the real James Bond later on if he gets caught. Which, of course, he won't, because it's James Bond. <laughs> you will say that, Mr. Bond! <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of any witty one-liners to come up with now for that. Uh, I, uh, a correspondent on the interwebs says that if they were going to appear in a Bond film, uh, they'd go in the one where he, uh, where the Queen parachutes into the Olympic Stadium. Now, where he meets the Queen and parachutes into the Olympic Stadium. I believe so the Queen also parachuted into the... Well, no, she, I thought she, she can't have parachuted into the Olympic Stadium, or there'd be a really embarrassing bit where <laughs> the actor that is dressed up as the Queen disregards his Queen regalia, or, or Royalia, uh, and, and has to, you know, <laughs> to disrobe, and you get, you get this sort of half-formed Queen running out, of the entra- running out of the exit tunnel. That would be very scarring, I think, for quite a lot of people. Uh, so yes, fortunately that, that that didn't quite. But then it, I mean, you say it's a film. Films are, the Bond films aren't actually real, despite what this advert has just <laughs> indicated. Well, yeah, that's so, what they want you to think. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah, yeah MI MI six are recruiting at the moment. There's there's full page adverts in newspapers at the moment to join MI six. You have to send your application off to some uh, post office box or something. I think is quite amusing. It, it, we've moved on oh, actually I think there's a website as well we've moved on from people walking around Cambridge just kind of inviting you to go for a walk through college grounds to the internet which doesn't have quite the same romance to it I feel let me take you through a stroll through the internet <laughs> have you seen these pages? <laughs> by that I mean I'm going to grab you by the back of the head and smash your face into a computer screen <laughs> apply why don't you apply <laughs> <laughs> but uh Personally, yeah. I, I quite like the, um... Uh, there. My brain Do you? I like my brain. <laughs> my brain just shut down. It's funny, I'm I didn't think anybody else liked that either. I didn't even think it was a thing, to I be can, honest. I can only assume that I briefly thought some sort of horrible national secret there. Uh, my six shut you down. Yeah, exactly. They used that, that brain-disabling thing that they've got. And it's like, <laughs> quick, divert him onto a tangent about how his brain isn't working. Where you fooled me this time. Can you remember what you actually were talking about, or is it actually just completely gone? No clue. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about something else. Oh, yes, um, also, if you'd like to get in touch, you can email studio at camfm.co.uk mm. or just listening online at camfm.co.uk. You can just use the web form there, as um, someone has already done so. Although, please, please, in your emails, please give us a name. We like to imagine that there are humans on the other side of this rather than just IP addresses. Although, if the IP addresses are actually just sending us emails of their own accord, uh, we may have discovered something of vital import to the continued survival of human race. <laughs> I think I my brain just temporarily went blank there. I can't think why that would be. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what we've got to do for the rest of the show is document what thought you're about to have, which is a difficult process, and then think it. And if you have one of those blanks, then that's the secret. So, you know, start with a, a, a known family of things, like the possible recipes for cocktails. One of those will be a national secret of some kind. Well, presumably a martini. <laughs> There must be a cocktail called a national secret. I mean, just because they all have stupid names, there must be one called a national secret. And that's it's probably, that's probably like hydrochloric acid and a cyanide. <laughs> <laughs> can, I, can I have an MI6 dossier, please? <laughs> I was going to say ridiculously alcoholic, but I think Chris trumped me there. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay, so what's our next story then, Chris? Uh, uh, story number two. Why well, story number two uh, is all about uh, a Chinese guy um, who had his house in the centre of a main road uh, after he refused to sell up, uh, and uh, he was only offered about a third of the value of his house. So he decided, well, to heck with that. Then I'm keeping it here. Uh, and as a result, there was this huge, great, like four lanes each way road uh, with his house plonked in the middle of it, uh, and it just sort of goes whoop, to get around his house. That, that's, and presumably, that's- if he wants to go for milk he has to like have the crossing of death or possibly has like a zip wire uh, in, or, in order to, in order to escape from his dwelling the problem is zip wires are famously one way <laughs> well okay you no, need no. a zip wire and then a ladder at the side of the road no, and no. another zip wire a, a zip wire on one of those gadgets it might have been in uh, mission impossible rather than james bond you click onto the wire and it goes <laughs> up with a mo- little motor on it on yeah actually yes i know you're the ones you mean okay he could have one of those although by the picture it doesn't look like he has either of those and he certainly doesn't have either of them anymore yeah. because he has actually finally moved out after over a year with this bizarre system where presumably cars occasionally crashed into his house <laughs> in a desperate overtaking maneuver it, it does make it look as if it's a track from mario kart or something where the tracks are not in mario kart not noticeably designed for safety often have things appearing in the middle of the track like cows but not not, not houses so much but yeah <laughs> I, I, it's a new level obviously you could like probably obtain yourself a new car by like at night switch your lights off open your garage door <laughs> <laughs> I mean you might you could just install cat eyes going down the middle into just of one side of your garage door exactly I mean you'll obtain a series of different cars and they'll all be crushed to a lamina by the time you've actually got them you would need and a very uh, very uh, sophisticated crash <laughs> system on the other side yeah exactly. sure you want like intact. a magnetic induction system or something like the opposite of maglev trains you know uh, like the, the, you know, the induction that, uh, <laughs> that propels them forwards you would use something like that to, put, to cause extreme breaking or one of those catapults you know uh, the th- uh, not catapults but you know um Bungie. if you're landing a plane on an aircraft carrier what oh, happens is there's a there's literally a big old heath robinson style hook uh and and just a, a wire uh, and the hook catches on the wire and then the wire is braked sharply uh, and presumably the pilot smashes his face on the front of the cockpit so you'd, you'd have basically that you need like car arrestor wires with which you can go yoink you do end up with an angry person in the driver's seat of their car going hang on a moment I was meaning to drive down a motorway and I am in your garage and you are pointing a shotgun at me <laughs> I also smashed my head against the front of the car presumably <laughs> that is true they don't have the arrestor wires so the driver would just go wee into, into the <laughs> back wall problem solved <laughs> actually no uh, install a, a small window uh, in the back wall of your garage uh, then the arrestor wires grab the car, the driver goes uh, through the hole, uh, and continues uh, at the same pace as he was. <laughs> Into some kind of complicated trampoline system which keeps him indefinitely suspended in the air. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or another car uh, which you dis- liked slightly less uh, and which you had accelerated to roughly the same speed as he was travelling. Uh, if you achieve this uh, completely then he'll just go like <laughs> and find himself I mean, dri- Skoda. <laughs> <laughs> finding himself driving a different car. If uh, you, you achieve this completely you are there's only one conclusion which you are in fact Wallace from Wallace and Gromit who's <laughs> the only one that would be able to put together something like this. Alternatively the, the Thunderbirds. People who built Tracy Island. Who actually built Tracy Island? How, how did they get all the contractors in to build all the bits? Because I can't, I can't see the Tracy family having done it all on their own. I think it was Tracy Tracy, wasn't it? The, the great-great-grandmother who built it. Uh, built we were a lot of foresight as to what was needed for launching of Thunderbirds. <laughs> well, yes. Oh, we've just received an email from an IP address yep. uh, telling us to stop discriminating against them. Mm-hmm. Apparently they're people too. We apologise 
IP address. We actually won't. We won't give we, you. We name. shouldn't read out the IP address. <laughs> it's like the internet um, lynch mob of like low numbered IP addresses. You think they're all superior because they got issued in the first wave of RFC twenty eight thirty two allocations. Oh, well done. <laughs> I, I, I detect a note of bitterness there, Chris. Yeah, you're right. I am furiously jealous uh, of Boeing and AT&T and people like that who genuinely got given uh, roughly like one two hundredth of the internet at the beginning of the internet. Like, <laughs> the, 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 the way it worked was for about five years or so, they were just like, who wants a two hundredth of the internet? And a bunch of people bought themselves a two hundredth of the internet, which allows you to put uh, two to the twenty-four computers online. Uh, if you're not familiar with uh, two or twenty-four, or the explanation of one with the other, then that is a lot of computers. Uh, if you wanted to power all of those computers, you would need a nation. Um, but, <laughs> uh, but uh, yes, uh, this turned out to be somewhat of a mistake, uh, and a bunch of American companies own most of it. Uh, and I've been gradually eking out uh, all the all the space that they own. It's quite, look, quite lucky we didn't get over 200 companies trying to buy them, really. That would be problematic. For the record, I, wa- I want to find somebody who is familiar with the concepts of exponentiation and the number 24, but not the number 2. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll go and find them uh, dur- during our, uh, our musical break. Uh, and, uh, and after the break, uh, we'll be teaching them basic mathematics. Uh, well, no, they, they already know basic mathematics. Petition number two, presumably. Yes. Even numbers. Ah, perhaps the number two is a, is a national secret. Yeah. Try, try thinking about the number two, John. Okay, I'll work on that for the next few minutes. <laughs> we'll tell you whether John's brain survived the experience uh, right after this. It's time for some music of appropriate finality. 97.2 camfm.co.uk On air and online, your camfm. This is a bu- burst of a ball on CamFM. That was the final countdown by Europe in honour of our final show. Before the break, we were talking about James Bond and numbers, but now we're moving on to robots. Indeed, uh, our first robotic story uh, is that a gentleman by the name of Kogoro Kurata, uh, who, as it turns out, is Japanese, um, has built himself a four-ton, four-metre-tall uh, bipedal robot, uh, which can move at six miles an hour and presumably, uh, uh, like, wreak devastation. Uh, this is this is Robo Godzilla, basically. Uh, so, so, so good for him. I, uh, he's he's re- realised his dream, uh, and and he can crush, kill, and destroy. So well done, Mister Kurata, living so, the dream. So yeah, he he did this because he the the robots he he watched when he was growing up were always big and had people riding in them. Um, so he's obviously had this idea for quite a while. The thing that impresses me is that he's not described here as an engineer or a scientist or anything like that. He's an artist. And so, like, this seems like a remarkable feat of engineering for uh, for somebody who describes themselves as an artist. Also, uh, is it art to, like, create a giant six-ton <laughs> four, four robot that can crush cities? Well, is depen- that art? It depends how you define art, because um, some people define art as um, things which give elicit emotions in us. And if you saw that coming at you, I'm pretty sure it would elicit <laughs> several emotions. There's also ones where it should be it should uh, it should be you have contrasting ideas about the robot or it should, it should um, what I really want to say is like it should elicit some kind of conflict or something like that within the soul. This is going to elicit a lot of conflict. Um, <laughs> so I think on that basis it's definitely working as art. It's cool but also terrifying. Cool but terrifying indeed. <laughs> 
Um, but he's obviously made a few of them. It's not just the one, because you can buy them. It will cost you 110 million yen, for those of you who are not very good at tran- uh, translations, uh, conversions, uh, like me. Apparently that's well over 800,000 pounds. So if you're a millionaire, you could buy one of these robots and terrorise small cities. <laughs> <laughs> and why Bradford. not? And children. <laughs> I thought you were going to small children now. So, like, small cities, children, same thing. Yeah, but terrorising small children is easy, easier. You don't need a four-metre <laughs> four robot for that. I mean, like, you can run away from it pretty easily. You can just sort of confiscate all their cakes. That certainly seems to work. <laughs> six, six miles an hour, you can run away from that, right? Six miles an hour, you can run away from it, but, the ro- yeah. but you, you're going to get tired, and the robot isn't going to get tired. Although, that said, I mean, it's four metres tall, so you could presumably... Well, I don't know what its stride length is like, but you can imagine, like, sort of, like, getting in between the stride, and then you could start, you could hop onto the leg, and then you'd be safe. You'd grab grapple into it, destroy the with your lightsaber. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, you could do the uh, land speeder scene on foot. <laughs> because you can run faster than it, you could you could just get yourself like you know, <clears throat> like a telegraph wire or something, and just run around in circles around this thing in a, in order in order to do the land speeder scene. This is you not so much Star Wars, really. It's like car park wars or something. <laughs> a golf buggy, actually. Yeah, you should reenact it using a golf buggy as the land speeder. This is this is. I want to see the next video on YouTube. I would like to see this. Just me golf buggying clumsily around this Japanese guy who's presumably standing in the cockpit of his robot going, Hey, you! Stop that! <laughs> this is really expensive! <laughs> <laughs> so he's a, so it does have a cockpit to operate it, and there's a picture of him sitting in the cockpit. But it's designed to be uh, done remote controlled as well, so you probably control it using a mobile phone, so I don't know, killer robot app or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you saw that, you'd think it was like, you can imagine seeing that and getting a little plan, and you'd think somebody borrowed your phone and was like, this looks like a fun game. <laughs> and it's just thought, like, oh look, there's a city, let's go and crush it. <laughs> and uh, yes, at the end of the day, you realise in the news that, uh, that Leeds is no longer. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know about you, my phone signal isn't very good at the best of times. So, you know, like, <laughs> I wouldn't really want to use the killer robot app. I, I'd be afraid of accidental damage. I'd be, you know, I'd be afraid of being like, okay, I'm just going to move it towards Leeds. I've run out of battery. <laughs> uh, dear Leeds, <laughs> I'm, my killer robot is moving towards you at six miles per hour. <laughs> he will be there in about four hours' time, which, if I've estimated correctly, is after first-class post. <laughs> Therefore, just- recommend digging a hole. Yours sincerely... Oh, I've missed the post. <laughs> You've not got much experience with the post at the moment. I'd be impressed if you could get it anywhere within four hours. <laughs> Even first-class. A, a Royal Mail van just driving past the killer robot going, Whoop. Looks like there's trouble on the way. <laughs> yeah, just, just um, put one scene in this film is a royal mail van incongruously <laughs> driving past a robot uh, and smacking into someone's garage and getting the, the driver getting catapulted out <laughs> into a oh, Skoda, no. which then drives off. Just being catapulted. The robot, ga- even better, the robot. The, the day is saved by the robot going into the garage and the, and the pilot being cockpitted out into a royal mail van, which he then proceeds to go go on and try and mow down parts of Yorkshire. I thought the driver was the mobile phone by this point. The driver's the mobile phone. Oh yeah, that's right. Of course, we're operated by mobile phone. I suppose yeah, because well, when he's in the cockpit, he actually operates it using the same mobile interface that he can operate it with outside. Like the cockpit is just a chair. It doesn't have, like there's there's nothing special about the cockpit. So you could in fact be sat in the cockpit 
proceeding at six miles an hour, going like, right, here's the thing. <laughs> it's stuck in forwards and will wreak, wreak devastation. <laughs> so I sincerely I, recommend... I kind of presume you leave your you house hold, within the next half hour or so. I'm kind of presuming you hold it for forward, and then if you're not doing anything at the stop, that would be a more sensible way of wiring up the system. That's what you'd hope, but you can never account for art students. This is a perfect opportunity to reenact the wrong trousers. <laughs> <laughs> Someone gets that hold of the mobile phone app and the robot goes crazy with the inventor still inside. <laughs> oh no, Gromit, I've got the wrong app. <laughs> Live action wrong trousers. Indeed, <laughs> totally, totally doable. <laughs> right, <laughs> so moving on from robot devastation, we have another slightly less devastating robot. Uh, indeed, yes. Uh, Michael, what is robot number two? Uh, this number two is the Ecobot three. Thus, spoiling our numbering scheme for these for these stories. Um, we know number two is classified, so <laughs> therefore that's why. And uh, this feeds off sewage, turning energy from the nutrient-rich waste into electricity to power itself. Although it's not it's not clear exactly from the news article that we found what it's doing besides tre- treating waste. Although it does have a fly-trapping hat. I'm not sure how that works. Is it like, can I like, lift its hat up and kind of jauntily and then the fly comes out? Ha ha! So it, does, it doesn't actually kill. It's not like a, a, a fly swat or anything like that. It presumably just is a hat. Because if you, if you if a fly flies underneath your hat and you put the hat on, the fly doesn't die. The fly just buzzes around inside the hat until it, you take the hat off again. Ah, well, and you another don't fly comes back. But you don't take the hat off. And then, and then the fly is left in there until the end of its pitiful existence. I don't want a fly to die on my hair. <laughs> You're not a robot. Like, that's true. I am not a robot. But, you know, robots have feelings too. Like hypergesis. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> but, um, yeah, basically it actually runs off poo, which has just made the six-year-old in me just get start giggling and not stop for the past 30 minutes, effectively, since I first saw this story. It's hard to tell. Like, I'm pleased to inform you that your inner six-year-old going <laughs> over the like. I'm sure your inner six-year-old doesn't giggle like that. <laughs> That'd be quite a scary inner six-year-old. That's your inner crone. <laughs> you don't want to confuse those two. I've My always in a sixty-year-old. I've always wondered in comics what the yuck yuck h h h y u k sound was, and that was definitely the yuck yuck sound. <laughs> so if your six-year-old is Babyface Finlayson from the from the Dandy comics, then we're pretty much sorted. <laughs> also, if it is, then you should probably be arrested. <laughs> uh, but it, it, it's one of these robots. Th- th- there have been all these different robot stories that we've covered over the course of Burst of Bubble, uh, with them running on. Uh, think things like orange juice and now poo, and at some point it's, it's a full cycle, really, isn't it? it, it <laughs> at some point, it's going to be us. Basically, is <laughs> a conclusion we have to we have to draw. They're kind of like gradually narrowing down the things that robots do not run on, and at some point, it's going to pass the line which human is. Well, we've just had the we've just had the uh, robot sitting in uh, the robot sitting in the human the human sitting in the robot cockpit, so. <laughs> I think um, I think we've already got kind of the way there. If we just get rid of the mobile phone signal and just say, right, no mobile interface, actual arms and legs, that's running off human, right? <laughs> it, it's, it's getting kind of like... Oh, the thing about the other robot is it reminded me of the one from Alien that Ripley sits in, the power loader thing. Oh, yes. It, it's very well, much the- like if that crashed into an anime. <laughs> I think there are quite a lot of examples of robots. I'm trying to think of other ones now, actually, but where people sit inside giant robots. I mean, most anime. <laughs> most anime. <laughs> yeah. uh, Avatar. 
Amazon, yes. Amazon had them uh, wandering around in really ill-advised big mech things where you could have stuck a webcam in the front of it, but no, I thought I'd just sit there and taunt them a bit. Um, Iron Man, famously? Yeah. I guess, okay, so I guess there's a, there's a difference here between the giant mech where you kind of sit precariously on the top of it and go, as you crush cities, and Iron Man where your mech is the same size as you. So it's kind of more an exoskeleton than a mech. Ah, but you see, the Iron Man suit could now be powered using your own poo. Although if it was, <laughs> I don't think you'd sell many. <laughs> so there, therefore, in order, you know, to I mean, in order to power yourself, you need to basically be <laughs> continually <laughs> ingesting, preferably something that like, makes you go to the toilet more, like lots of alcohol, and then you're just like a drunkard in a giant robot. <laughs> so we'll know what happens when we see Iron Man smashing into co-ops and being like, Bran Flakes, Bran Flakes. <laughs> that was Carl zombie Frank. Iron Man, <laughs> almost. Because <laughs> when he's running low on power, that's how he gets. Uh, okay, it's like his level of intellect is is is, is proportional to his battery level. Oh, dear, so presumably, he eats the bran flakes, and he's like, "I'm an idiot. I <laughs> I need a better power source for this thing that isn't poo." <laughs> Maybe bran flakes. No, wait, no. <laughs> the Iron Man dives down into the sewer to refuel. It would be a bit silly if you're basically having to continuously eat in order to. Like produce the sewage, <laughs> why you weren't just why you had to go through yourself in order to produce the thing <laughs> that would actually it, power it. It'd be quite hard to issue threats to your like cowering public. You know, you'd be advancing with the Big Mac, and you'd be like, "It's brown trousers time." You'd be advancing with the Big Mac and the Big Mac. Oh dear. No. <laughs> I, I think inclusion. Yeah, this is a really bad way of powering robots. <laughs> But no, Although we I have got a sequel for Super Size Me there, <laughs> in in which was it, was it Morgan Freeman? Because I'm about to. If it wasn't Morgan Freeman, I'm about to accuse Morgan Freeman of something terrible. Was it Morgan Freeman that was in Super Size Me? No, no, really? Oh God damn it! <laughs> who, who was in Super Size Me then? You know the you know the film Super Size Me? Yeah, it was yeah, the guy. Was, there was that guy, yeah. and the, the deal is that he eats McDonald's continuously, and every time somebody says, "Would you like to supersize that?" he does. It was definitely not Morgan Freeman. It was somebody who was... He'd done something previously, but it wasn't... Morgan Spurlock. There we there go. There we go. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's nearly Morgan Freeman. He looks quite distinct from Morgan Freeman. As it turns out, yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway. Although that's mostly because we're looking at the picture of him with a load of chips in his mouth. No, that, that tells you something about, like, the way memory works, because I was, you know, like, I was imagining... I, I'd managed to construct myself Morgan Freeman narrative for supersize me you know I had, me I had mental images of him saying in the, in the dulcet tones of Morgan Freeman you know like I can't impersonate Morgan Freeman but translate the following into a Morgan Freeman voice of, of him going like mmm ah yes quite the fries they're serving today when I was a boy <laughs> fries didn't come like this <laughs> Can, can, I, can, I, can I just interrupt you there and just say congratulations to two of our listeners who have both emailed in that it was Morgan Spurlock? <laughs> yep, thank you very much yeah, to both yeah. to Rich, Rich and to Awesome, anyway. who I believe was the other person. <laughs> <laughs> so the sequel to Supersize Me would feature Morgan Freeman, not Morgan Spurlock, but Morgan Freeman, uh, in, in, his, in his big old mech, just like tro trolling from one McDonald's to another, attempting to keep said McDonald's running. It'd be a bit like War of the Worlds. 
you know you'd be, you'd be like clunk 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 but eventually they become disabled by the sheer dosage of mcdonald's that they're consuming i mean they don't have to pay for the mcdonald's because it's just like eat the burger that fuels you enough to get to the next mcdonald's and you like smash in the roof and be like it is i freeman and they're like, oh god <laughs> i thought that i thought that was a crank call from the neighbor can't you send spurlock no it is i freeman <laughs> give unto me all of your big macs and then he goes oh, but eventually he dies of malnutrition because because he's eating nothing but big macs and living in his big mac there's a moral to this it's a, it's a tale of, a cautionary tale of why you should not go around rampaging mcdonald's in a giant mech yeah exactly <laughs> there'll it's be an epilogue in which he sort of like smashes in the roof uh, of a whole foods <laughs> it is i for oh never mind Yoink. <laughs> I, I like to think that, that, that we've made a difference in our listeners' lives by passing on this sage advice. I know it's not true, but I like to think it anyway. <laughs> All right, so the epilogue is actually that he smashes in a herb depository and goes, how's that for sage advice? The end. <laughs> uh, Quiet gunshot in the background. And on that note... <laughs> yeah, I, I, think, I think that's enough giant robots for now. Very well. Time for our second, then, of our conclusory pieces of music. Uh, this, uh, we, we basically was just like, what songs are about the end of things? Uh, and this is candidate two of two. Uh, well, I'd, I'd introduce it, but they're going to do that for, them, that for themselves. So, so listen. On air. 97.2. Online. Camfm.co.uk. And across Cambridge. Your station. Your Camfm. That was R.E.M. with the end of the world as we know it for the final burst of all live on CamFM with me, Michael Contario. And me, Chris Moton. And me, John Nelson. Now then, uh, since uh, it's the last ever burst of the bubble, uh, it's no longer possible to reserve stories for next week, as is occasionally our practice when we're running out. So, uh, running out of time rather than, rather than running out of stories. Uh, <laughs> we have to reserve stories that we don't have. Indeed. <laughs> uh, so, uh, we're going to rattle through uh, the six stories we've got left uh, in double quick time. Uh, so, talking like a chipmunk, uh, beginning with the first story. Uh, I'm not going to talk like a chipmunk because everybody would hate that, including me. Uh, so, uh, first story uh, is. A diocese uh, of the Catholic Church in Milan uh, has created an exorcism hotline uh, as they found they were getting deluged with calls by people saying, Brothers, devils, uh, come and remove said devils, please. Yours sincerely, a haunted man named Vercaccio. Well, uh, as I hear that most Milanese persons are called. Uh, no, um, <laughs> uh, apparently uh, they, they've, they've manned this with 12 uh, specialist hit priests, uh, which is like the equivalent of a hitman. But they, but they, they extinguish devils uh, rather than humans, and therefore that is allowed. Um, but apparently, mostly they find uh, that this is people saying things like, "My teenage children are out of control; they're possessed by the devil." Uh, at which point, the reply is, "They are not possessed by the devil; they are possessed by being teenagers." Please stop calling. <laughs> Your sincerely hit priest. <laughs> Do you reckon the Ghostbusters? Because th- th- this is blatantly the equivalent of the Ghostbusters. It's a phone line you call when people are possessed. It's the Ghostbusters. Yeah, except for they don't bust ghosts. Like, this is the Ghostbusters if the Ghostbusters were just a man leaning on a desk, lifting a phone and going, There's no ghosts! There's no such thing as ghosts, you idiot! Clonk. Isn't that pretty much what the secretary's for in Ghostbusters? <laughs> yeah, they must get a load of prank calls. The Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah. And there's totally a ghost on... What? What is it? Well, it was on my TV and its head spun round. It's like, no, you were just watching The Exorcist. <laughs> 
But yes, I mean they have they they must have a catchy jingle for this. I mean, I I, I would I did contemplate trying to learn the uh, Ghostbusters theme in Italian, but unfortunately I couldn't. I didn't really have enough time or willing to do that. Um, but I mean, they did already have six priests, so they, they 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 previously didn't have the hotline. They just had to have people turn up, dragging their teenage son by the ear, going, "Him, he's possessed by the devil. He is. Get him, get him out." <laughs> And presumably, like, they'd give him a, like a, a, a can of tenants extra strong. <laughs> Be like, on your way. <laughs> that as it turns, that's like <laughs> that's the universal curative. Tenants. <laughs> <What? laughs> Have we, we got a sponsor? And I've not noticed in the, for the last show. You know, or, or any other similarly dubious lagers. <laughs> you know. As, as, as long as it, you know, you know there's, there's, there's the, 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 the class of drinks where if you are seen to be drinking it, you are presumed to be homeless. Tenants uh, is a bitter, isn't it? Uh, isn't maybe. it like a Smith, John Smith type thing? Ah, perhaps so. <laughs> We're doing really badly by our sponsors. It's a good job it's our last show. <laughs> yeah. uh, the, the, the other thing is the hotline will run for a few hours each day. So for, is, is there kind of like peak possession time? Two o'clock in the morning. That's definitely peak possession time. A- any particular reason? It's just past the witching hour. So it's the demon hour. So it's like when they get in from witching. <laughs> yeah. So oh, I was witching over in Milton Keynes. It's just got back now. Yep. Uh, woo. <laughs> so I'm not really feeling it at the moment. It's quite a drive. And I got oh, halfway. I got halfway back, and like there was this house in the road, and I'm pretty sure this isn't my car. <laughs> Call back. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, so <laughs> moving on to story two of, th- uh, two of six, I think. What's next? What's next is uh, Henleys uh, have unveiled the Living Advent Calendar. Uh, this is a thingy uh, in which, over the course of uh, Advent, they are going to be having random 15-minute performances uh, at various places in London. Uh, in London? No, in Henley-on-Thames, because uh, that makes sense. I thought Henley was a company when I started reading that story, but apparently not. No, in Henley-on-Thames, the rand- a random door will open, there will be a 15-minute performance. That is Advent. A window! You open windows on an Advent calendar. Oh, there could be doors. I don't know, I thought of them as doors. The quote here says a door or a window. I mean, windows are see-through, and if you can see through the one on an advent calendar, it's a rubbish advent calendar, or you ate all the chocolate. Um, <laughs> I think, yeah, I kind of had this idea initially that there were going to be people living inside there. <laughs> it's just a giant advent calendar, and if you're in number 25, you're pretty much stuffed. <laughs> you gotta, you got to sit in there and stay in there until Christmas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then you get to go, ta-da! And it's, it'll be Christmas evening, because it's oh, a quarter on, past six in the evening. They don't, they don't have, advent calendars don't have one for 25th, do they? They have one for 24th, because they assume that by the 25th you'll have enough chocolate already. There's uh, enough some exciting some things. Some do have 20th. Do they? 25th is a national secret. <laughs> it, does say, it. it does say 24 evenings here, ah, so okay. in this case it is only 24th. But, uh, yeah, so that's uh, the living advent calendar. Not to be con- <laughs> If news ever reaches Milan, then there'll definitely be some exorcists coming over <laughs> to exercise the advent calendar. Night of the living advent Night calendar. Night of the living advent calendar. <laughs> some kind of bad poltergeist <laughs> type type activities going on. Oh no, there are chocolates flying everywhere. This is brilliant. I hope they actually, t- hope they actually tell people where, where they're going to be. Otherwise, if people just dashing across Henley, going, there's a window open somewhere. We're going to find where the gig is. Well, yeah, literally, that is actually what's going to happen. Uh, apparently the first one will be uh, Gary Connery, uh, who is the guy who dressed as the Queen uh, for the Olympics opening ceremony, uh, and jumped out of a helicopter. Good old Gary. So he presumably will be opening, like, a tenth-story window or something, <laughs> dra- dressed as the Queen and going, yeah, parachutes don't work from this height! <laughs> <laughs> 
Where's James Bond when you need him? <laughs> that advert didn't work. <laughs> anyway, we've solved that mystery. Excellent. <laughs> Moving <Next>. on. Next <laughs> story. Next. Uh, next. Uh, the, the Festival of Boring has begun. No, really, that's, like, yeah, that's a thing that is not here, so shut up. <laughs> it is a festival that is going on uh, in in London, uh, which is a, sort of a, a, a kind of a, a, a mean-spirited rival to the Festival of Interesting. In fact, the Festival of Interesting got cancelled, uh, and therefore they set up the Festival of Boring, uh, where the remit is that people turn up and talk about boring stuff, uh, and the hope is that it turns out not to be, I suppose. Um, they, they serve things like the Boring Buffet, uh, which you can consume uh, unadulterated cucumber and iceberg lettuce uh, and uh, unbuttered white bread uh, and features talks about where to find ATMs that are made by IBM specifically uh, and uh, um, and, and very the shipping forecast I believe was in there yep somebody talking about uh, talking about the shipping forecast yep um, <laughs> and the, uh, apparently this was a uh so much of a, a, a they would a success that they didn't quite expect that uh, or at least people who were going there didn't quite expect that they had to stand in a long queue for a while and so therefore they were wondering whether maybe there would just be a case of standing in a queue for a long while and then at the end of the festival they just let you go out the other side <laughs> of the conference <laughs> Um, which, as the, the person who at one conference go amused, it would be that would be really boring. Uh, yes, I think pretty much all of this stuff is actually really boring. Uh, letterboxes here we've got as well as another <gasps> thing. Le- letterboxes, I got used to get really annoyed because I worked as a postman for a short period um, before I started at university here. And I found that the size of the letterbox seemed to be inversely proportional to the size of the house. So you'd have these giant detached like almost mansions uh with the tiniest post box and this person would be getting all of these uh, professional uh magazines and brochures which were about five times the size of the letterbox and that that was just incredibly frustrating as a trainee postman so did you figure out where the crossover point was like how big a house would it be before your theory predicts a letterbox that is just the side of the house where you just kind of lower the side of the house and you're like, morning, put the post inside and put the side of the house back up again. Well, presumably the size of that one in China is roughly the size of the <laughs> <laughs> the garage door that just opens up. <laughs> It'd be really easy to deliver post to that one because you could just chuck it out of the... Uh, chuck it out of the post van. Post yes, van on the true. way past. Just on the way past. <laughs> In fairness, there's nothing, there's nothing stopping postmen already doing that. They do still yeah, yeah. drive past the houses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I imagine there is more in the way of blockages in between. Like, they, 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 okay, they have to guns. drive both sides. Of the they road. go both sides. Yes, that's true. They could deliver to both post boxes, the front <laughs> post box and the back post box. Everybody loves the back letterbox. <laughs> it delivers no mail at any point because <laughs> the front one exists. <laughs> So the uh, backing briefly up to the festival uh, it includes a talk which I'd quite like to see actually, which is uh, the history of the self checkout machine, which presumably begins with somebody like selling their soul or something, and say, "Yes, yeah, we cross the Rubicon. I have brought unto you this thing, and it doth talk, though how it doth talk, no man has knowledge." Take it, take it into that place you call Tesco, and there it will say things, and people shall be peeved. The, 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 are, are though they people too now? Because we've been told IP well, self-checkout machines. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, uh, they should, they'll be um, embodied with like Mar- Marvin the Android style personalities quite soon. I think 
They'll just be like, you have once again abused the concept of bagging area. It's not difficult. It really isn't. Get the thing. Put the thing in the thing. When I say you to... Sometimes I despair of you humans. One of my favourite things I saw was someone trying to scan a banana into a self-service <laughs> checkout because it appears that like the concept of barcodes uh, had, hadn't quite reached them and so they just thought you just turn the things over this 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 grate and it can see what it is <laughs> well, that would actually be uh, the one fruit that might reasonably grow a pattern which resembles a barcode so oh. you'd actually be able to scan the thing and it'd be like unlucky that had the barcode for like a kilogram of gold <laughs> <laughs> Why do we stock kilograms of gold? <laughs> and then the security guy would be there being like, come on, give it up. Where have you put the kilogram of gold? Go on, tell your pockets out. It's in the banana, it's isn't like, it? No, it's always in the banana. This banana happened to have been genetically engineered to carry the barcode of a kilogram of gold. Oh, yes, likely story. That's what they all say. <laughs> oh. Moving on. Story to the next. Uh, a, a Barnstable contains at least one emu. <laughs> Which escaped. <laughs> Oh yes, otherwise we wouldn't know. <laughs> we okay, no, okay, fine. We can provide a lower bound for the emu count of Barnstable one. The <laughs> upper bound for the emu count of Barnstable. Actually, we probably have one of those given the volume of Barnstable. <laughs> the volume of Barnstable. Yeah, because you can't have more e- more <laughs> emus than emu. fit in the volume of Barnstable. Otherwise, we'd notice there'd be satellite photos, and it'd just be like there'd be like the great emu. <laughs> whirlwind that is Barnstable. The whirlwind, emu plane. They're subject to the Coriolis force. Emus. <laughs> not, people, not many people know that. <laughs> not well, many, not this, many people know this, that. This emu um, was just found walking around in Barnstable. They don't know whose it is. Uh, but then the police rounded it up, got it back in the police car, where it proceeded to uh, make make some fuel for a robot on their back seat. <laughs> and the car will have to go for a thorough clean. Translation, it did a poo. <laughs> Four more stories. It thought it was powering the car. (laughs) It's not the emu's fault. (laughs) The emu has been given a giant mech uh, and is now making its way to a millet depository (laughs) where it will say, I am emu. Uh, I mean... It It remembered it was an emu. It's actually talked like an emu. Rod, what's his name? Rod Hull. He was the guy who had the emu. Uh, It's just an emu. (laughs) I'm pretty pretty sure this is not the famed emu. Four four more stories, four more minutes. Minute number one. Uh, Buy yourself a car parking space in St. Ives for roughly the cost of an actual house somewhere else. (laughs) Live in your car parking space. No actual building provided. (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy expensive. It can, like, what do you get with that sort of car parking space paying over, over £50,000? £50, I'd, I'd, expect, I'd expect a car to automatically park itself in the car parking space or a, a hook that would decelerate me as I drove into the car parking space at top speed there, I'm safely. Afraid, I'm afraid you're wrong, Michael. The answer is uh, that that space is so valuable in St. Ives due to the 7 to the power 5 cats which are currently occupying the space. <laughs> Most of the cost is shooing 7 to the 5 cats. It is the opposite of herding cats, but as difficult. (laughs) Next! (laughs) Uh, The South African Air Force has reprimanded Lieutenant Colonel Ruth Nadai, uh, because she was photographed uh, wearing her full uniform with pink slippers. Uh, The opposition says that this is the fundamental sign that everything is unsuitable to be as it ought to be uh, in the Ministry of Defence. 
presumably you can't fly a plane with pink slippers, but then she wasn't trying to fly a plane. She was trying to buy groceries. You can buy groceries in pink slippers. So I say she was appropriately equipped for what she was doing. There's a picture of here where it definitely looks like she's pushing a vacuum cleaner. Rather than <laughs> Maybe they just apprehended her because she was in fact insane, <laughs> attempting to vacuum a store in pink slippers. So there was a house. Apparently onlookers appeared startled by the spectacle. It's not a big spectacle, frankly. If that's your standard of spectacle, someone wearing pink slippers with... Come so to Cambridge. <laughs> <laughs> next next <laughs> two stories two minutes uh some service station in lancaster that looks like a big air traffic control tower has become uh, become regarded as awesome by those people <laughs> that list buildings I'm wondering, so, like the, the type of buildings that get listed these days, uh, like including like Crips Courts and Johns, which which was, which um, I don't think is the nicest of buildings that we're under at the moment. Beautiful. Uh, I, I think I think they're just like going. They got confused. And they think listing buildings just means writing down all the buildings that they can find. Yeah, exactly. They had one of those competitions to find the worst looking buildings, and they wrote a list, and then these became grade something listed, <laughs> grade X, presumably. Um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, but apparently the thing was built uh, because uh, at the time it was regarded as a marvel of engineering, uh, and you got to have your dinner whilst looking out over the grand vista that is the M6 and going OMG, <laughs> OM6. <laughs> oh, they look surprisingly similar. <laughs> <laughs> what God and the M6? No, it's an interesting mistake <laughs> to no make. G and six. You're holding the six. <laughs> oh, I'm terribly sorry. That's the Westbound carriage. Right? <laughs> classified information anyway Next one more story. story one more story uh eurovision uh, nobody can be bothered <laughs> Every, everybody is everybody is withdrawn from eurovision uh, because the degree of financial crisis that has stricken various countries in europe including portugal poland cyprus and greece uh is that they can no longer afford the bus ticket uh th thus eurovision will be competed by cliff richard and only cliff richard forced to put on a series of different beards and mustaches and perform in a series of different accents i think they've got this wrong i think they could have done it quite easily they all could have gone and had the little guy with the accordion that, that he whirls around with the monkey dancing on the top and put some uh, something to catch loose change out of the front and they could have solved the financial crisis yeah. by effectively busking at Eurovision. And the monkey would have, like, like one time it went around, it would be wearing lederhosen and the next time it would be wearing a beret. You know, I don't know what the national stereotype is for, you know, like, Belarus, but I'm sure we could look it up. Uh, and, uh, Wiki Belarus offensive stereotype. Hey, <laughs> sorry. Um, that, that's the end of Burst of Bubble for good. That uh, is the end with those words. God. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd like to thank uh, Chris for being my co-host through most of the two and a half year run. Uh, John for being our guest today and on multiple other occasions and everyone who's emailed in today and in other shows and all of our guests uh, it's been brilliant thank you very much uh, we hope you enjoyed it we may be back with some other shows I know Chris is going to be doing some lunch breaks over the rest of term doing a bit of lunch doing a bit of rock I'll see you around yeah. but coming up next we've got the Urban Hijack so stick about for that on Cam FM yeah thank you very much and for one final time bye bye goodbye bye, bye. bye.